podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 141. Today we're going to talk about the best ways to explain minimalism to your parents. Well, how to explain a lot of things to your parents, because as we get older, I find that it becomes more and more difficult to, to communicate sometimes, because the dynamic changes in time. We are still our parents' children mm-hmm. quite often, mm-hmm. and thus we're often treated like children. We still feel like children, even if we're not treated like children. So we're going to talk about explaining minimalism, simple living, intentionality. And I'm going to talk about all my mommy and daddy issues. <laughs> Me too. I think we're, we'll, we'll, we'll dive uh, deep into some uncomfortable topics today. Also, how to explain uh, minimalism and simple living to other relatives as well. Uh, So before we jump into the the questions here, I have this horrible ingrown hair on my ass right now. That's horrible. It really is. I'm sorry to hear that. It's the perfect metaphor, though. Okay. (laughs) Here's why. I woke up yesterday morning like, what the hell is going on? Why is there a a literal pain in my ass? (laughs) And then, like, I had to do a bunch of work yesterday because we've got a lot of stuff going on right now. And uh, I was, it was work that required me sitting in a chair and writing and reading and uh, typing out emails and stuff. You think sitting for so long caused. No, I think I just got an, I just got a random ingrown hair, right? And and it causes considerable amount of discomfort, but only when I'm seated uh, mm. do I get that discomfort, which was like it was this reminder that like, hey, maybe you need to get up more frequently. It's like it was throughout the day it was this constant reminder, all right, get up and do some stretches and even though you have to work, you have to sit down. And I think sometimes that the the discomfort that we experience is more of a sign that we need to do something different or maybe we need mm. to to lean into that discomfort a little bit and i bring that up today because we're going to talk about some uncomfortable topics and when we talk about both of our parents there's a lot of discomfort that you and i can talk about so i don't have any follow-up from last episode and because i need to uh, hop on a flight pretty soon um we should probably just go ahead and j- jump into these yeah, man. these voicemails. Let's dive I, into I, them. I've got my my packed bag packed somewhere. Pa- P-A-K-T. Packed bag. Packed. Man, I'm <laughs> dropping these bars on them today. What am I, Drizzy, Matt? <laughs> oh my god. You've been listening to that Drake album too. Oh, by much. the way, we've got we've got Matt Diavella here. He's doing he's filming a three camera setup. Our very talented friend Matt Diavella. Check him out on YouTube. We're 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 sending these actually we're gonna talk about this three camera setup later, but check him out on YouTube. Uh it's Matthew Diavella on YouTube. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Our first question today is from Mariah. No, Maria. Maria in Joshua Tree, California. I have a very difficult relationship with my parents. They are unsupportive of many of my lifestyle choices and values. My partner, minimalism, my drive to be debt-free, my hobbies, being a pet owner. So often I hear Josh's maxim, you can't change the people around you, but you can change 
the people around you. Does this apply to my parents? Should there be a finality or an ending, a discussion, therapy? Is it even worth the time and effort it would take to try and fix this awful relationship that has been going on for my entirety of my adult life? How did both of you find it within yourselves to forgive your parents for all their shortcomings? Man, I uh, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there this entire episode. Yes. I can I can speak only from my perspective. Right. And I feel like I've done a lot of things right when it comes to difficult relationships, unsupportive relationships. But I also think I've done a lot of stuff wrong. Okay. Uh, so I, I would definitely, uh, I will definitely share that and own up to it. So I guess I'm just saying this for our listeners because, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt because it is my perspective and, uh, uh, and learn from the mistakes that I have made in past toxic relationships. I think you could isolate that a little bit and apply that to anything that we ever talk about. Yeah, that's though, true. Right? That's true. So, but so specifically this, man, it's like, because there's some hard, in, in, in Maria's situation here, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really, her question was, is how, how, how have we forgiven our parents for all of their, their shortcomings? And like for me, it, it it's it hasn't been this process of forgiveness. Mm. It's really been this process of of letting go. Well, let's talk about forgiving for a second because sure. I think that's important. And she she ended her question with that. But I think quite often we forgive not for the other people. We forgive for us. That is that's sort of the first step in allowing us to let go in the sort of acceptance process. Yeah. Quite often it's about forgiving the mm. folks in our lives, not for them. They don't sometimes they don't even need to know that we forgave them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can't know that we forgive them. Sometimes like with my mother passing on or my, my father passing on, they don't know that I've forgiven them mm-hmm. at this point. Well, my mom did. We 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 and we could talk about that um, her last year here. But that forgiving was partially so I could come to terms with the imperfections mm. that were going on, the the lack of acceptance, you're the saying, lack of support. You're saying forgiveness is part of the healing process. I think so. I mean, yeah. so, so I, a few things that I would ask, Ryan, is, with uh, Maria here is, have you asked for their support? I mean, sometimes mm. I think it just comes down to, have you been able to ask for their support? Yeah. And then... Can you show them what that support would look like? Because you can't just say, hey, I need you to support me. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Because well, support to them me- might mean one thing. Support to them might mean, well, we're always going to make it really difficult for you because we think that's how you are going to grow, yeah. right? We're going to hold you to our standards instead of your standards. Can you show them what your standards are and why that's important? Yeah, and for, and for you to just say, oh, I need help. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if I just sent you a text, hey, Josh, I need help, period. Oh, yeah. I mean, You'd be like, great, I, I'm happy to help you. Right. But in which way do you need help? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so sometimes, uh, but, but here's the other thing. So, so what if I actually didn't need help, but I, I was saying that I needed help? And so the, the question I would ask uh, Maria here is, do you actually need their support or what kind of support do you need from them? Maybe it's not what you think you need. Maybe what you actually need isn't what you think you need. And if you do need some support, I totally get it. Why do you need that support? Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. The, uh, in a perfect world, you know, family, uh, it would be, it would be people who are closer to you than your closest friends Mm -hmm. in a perfect world. And I think, the idea that I have that that's what family should be um, 
it has uh, made me kind of in the same position Maria is where I feel like I should be getting all of this support and I feel like I should have really awesome parents and I've gone out of my way to support them and I've gone out of my way to 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 live a meaningful life and show them by example I should have you know this amazing relationship with my parents right and what what I have come to realize is that um I don't deserve anything like mm. I am not entitled to anything that's uh, the uh, uh, house of cards. Remember, yeah. remember this? You are entitled to nothing when he took away social security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, so good. Uh, but and the weird thing is, then he sort of handing out entitlements after that. But right. but uh, but he the one thing he said was, "Hey, you're not entitled to anything." And I think that's a good reminder yeah. because when we start to have this mentality of, "Here's what I deserve. Here's what I should have. Yeah. Here's the way my life should be going. Your life should not be going anyway." It becomes a slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think about like ice cream. Well, I've had a good week this week I, I deserve an ice cream no i don't i don't <laughs> deserve an ice cream if i want to have one then that's my decision it's probably not a good decision but but the the truth is that i don't deserve anything other than the fundamental rights of of kindness and and, and um well, I, I deserve to be left alone and, and not have people, you know, barge into my house in the middle of the night or something. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, we don't just deserve all of these extras that we, these are just expectations. Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, we could live the most meaningful life possible and then walk outside and get hit by a bus. Right. I mean, it, life happens to us whether we're doing the right things or not. I think that when we do the right things and we try to put our best foot forward and we try to respect, appreciate uh, uh, um, um, accept others for the, their indifferences. Um, I think that will help us to have better results. But there's nothing in life that says we must have awesome results if we're putting in this kind of effort. Right. You know, it's funny you say that. I we I was walking into the office today, and I almost stepped in this giant pile of dog poop, and. I barely avoided it, right? Mm-hmm. And like I was just having, I was having a rough morning. Like I was really tired, and like I, I was trying to get my bag packed. So I'm getting ready to take a trip right after this. And man, like I, then I realized right, but as I missed the dog poop, I'm like, oh, this morning could be way worse. I could have stepped in dog shit. Like, and and it's to me that I I need to remember that sometimes. Like, it can always be worse, no matter what situation you're in. Yeah. You could add dog shit it's, on top it's of so it. It's so funny. If I was it's still going to be worse. I was thinking to myself, man, if I stepped in dog shit, if I like literally stepped in dog shit, I'd be like, oh, well, it could have been worse. I could have stepped in gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you're saying, man. Well, you know, he, here's, here's what I have learned, uh, Maria, is that our, the, the word family, um, it, at least in my experience, it really hasn't meant anything. What what family has meant in in my experience with um, a, a lot of my family members, I'm trying to not like just make a blanket statement here because I have really, really awesome, really supportive family members who would go to the ends of the earth for me, mm-hmm. the ends of the flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but no, seriously, like people who go way out of the way for me. So I'm not, I'm not making this a blanket statement for all my family members, but what I'm saying is that there are certain family members who view the term family as I can treat you however I want and you have to love me because I'm your family member. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, worse, um, some family members have uh, greater expectations of me because I'm their family member 
But then, like, the other... What do you mean they have greater expectations of you? Like, um... Oh, let me speak from my perspective. People uh-huh. treat me this way, but let me let me specifically uh, say um, from my perspective how I've done this in the past. So with my uh, one of my sisters, um, like she was that she was like you know this little innocent, uh, you know my my little tiny sister, mm-hmm. and I like just had her in this bubble. This this uh, you know her the idea of her was like she was in this bubble, un. Uh, uncorruptible, pure, uh-huh. and then you know I find out she's drinking and 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 you know smoking dope and doing all the things that I was doing when I when I was her age, uh-huh. but uh, but because she was my sister, like I had this very visceral feeling of like how much she has let me down because this thing that you this expectation you had of 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 this pristine right. person, but there are plenty of people who I hang out with who drink and smoke. Right. Um, I, I still drink alcohol and I'll still smoke. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a one way street with that attitude. I guess when you say you smoke, you don't like smoke cigarettes. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, I I guess what, well, I mean, I've sure I've had a cigarette in the last 10 years or something, but my point is, my point is this, is that I am judging her for behavior that I've done, mm-hmm. um, uh, for behavior that that I might, I guess I, I guess I don't currently do it. But my point is, is that judging her for something that I was doing at her age and raising her standards, but not my own. Oh, I think that is I think that is the effect that I'm talking about. That so, that certain family members will have. They will raise their standards for you, uh, but not for everyone else in their life or themselves, or, or uh, I should say non-family members in their life. Does that make sense? Yeah, but so we've talked about standards. The other thing I think we need to talk about here is is values, right? Mm-hmm. And so realize that you might have different either values or beliefs. Now, if you have different values from your parents, uh, Maria, then I, I think that, yes, it, it's important to recognize that you just have different values from them. Mm-hmm. And if they judge, judge you, then their judgment is simply a mirror that reflects their own values that are different from yours. Now, that said, they, they might just have different beliefs from mm-hmm. you and the same values. If they have different beliefs, that's just a different path to get to the same place, to get to those same values. And I think you have to recognize that. The only way to recognize that, though, is to get really clear on what your values are. My partner, Rebecca, and I will sit down often and go over our own values to see what's the same, what's different, how can we improve, how can we raise our standards together so that we're serving and supporting each other's values. In fact, on her website, Sean, if you put a link to this in in the show notes podcast, Sean, I'd appreciate that. Um, it, her website's minimalwellness.com. If you go to slash values on her website, uh, she did this like, well, together we, we kind of, we put this together, this values worksheet, I guess you could call it. It's like a little one page thing to help you identify what your values are. And it's helped me and her make sure that we are on the same page. Even when we value something differently, or if we have the same value, but one of us values something more than, than someone else. If you go back to episode 69 as well, we'll put a link to that in, in the show notes too. We did an entire episode on values and getting clear on what your values are because it isn't until you're clear on that, until you know what they are, that you can figure out how you raise your standards appropriately. Otherwise, you're just sort of walking around blindly searching mm-hmm. and you're 
constantly trying to, and this sounds like what, what's happening here, trying to live up to someone else's expectations, someone else's mm-hmm. values. Now, you and I did this a lot in our 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're, that's especially true with people we've looked up to our entire lives, our parents, where they try to instill their values in us. And quite often that can be a good thing if we're provided with the right template, but they also instill their beliefs in us and those aren't necessarily our beliefs and mm-hmm. quite often they instill their their desires or their preferences in us i think about uh, serena williams uh venus and serena williams their her, their father i think we had them playing tennis when they were three years old yeah and i mean thankfully that worked out with them but think about how many other parents are like forcing their kids to play the sport that they succeeded at or maybe didn't succeed wanted at. to succeed at yeah yeah because that's their their desire is yeah. that actually your desire yeah man i you know maria um if if you have gone out of your way if she has gone out of her way to uh to, to ask for her parents support mm-hmm. and she has you know kind of clearly said here's the support i need here's the actions that i am i'm asking if you're willing to do um and they are still in constant opposition of her living a meaningful life. Um, I, I mean, in, in my case with, uh, with my dad, for example, um, it's a very similar situation to Maria's. Uh, I constantly have opposition from him when it comes uh, to the life that I live. Mm-hmm. And every time I spoke to him, it was, uh, it was a reminder of how I'm letting him down Mm. It was a reminder of how uh, he doesn't agree with my lifestyle. And it, it was a reminder of how him and I will never have this amazing relationship that I really, really want. And part of that has to do with some fundamental beliefs that he has sure. with respect to religion sure. that, that are definitely different from your own beliefs. Yeah. And, and you know, ultimately, um, I don't believe the same things that he believes. Right. And uh, I don't follow the same uh, organization that he follows and because of that, he has created division in our relationship. He, he did this uh, a year ago, two years ago, where he called me up and he's like, hey, son, um, you know, I, I was just uh, talking to uh, Marilyn, my, that's my stepmom, and, uh, you know, she pointed out to me uh, how, I'm not going to go into details with dogmatics and stuff, but ultimately, uh, she pointed out to me how we shouldn't even be having dinner with you. We shouldn't be even having, uh, having a meal with you. Yeah. And if you need to, if you need an, uh, something from me, or if you have an emergency, please reach out to me. I'm I'm here for you. But other than that, don't talk to me. No. So um, for for years, I was uh, for the last year or two, I, I was living in this limbo, like on the fence of is my dad going to cut me off altogether, or is he ever going to like treat me like you know like this relationship like it's a normal father son relationship. And ultimately, like the relationship that you wanted, right? And ultimately, he's not. Um, he he is he is basically um, using our relationship as leverage to get me to uh, to do exactly what he wants. Yeah. And you know whether he's coming from a good place or not, I think you know he can look in the mirror and say, "Oh, I'm, I'm coming from a good place," but he's not considering me at all yeah. uh, in, in that situation. So. Um, in this situation, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I called, I called him up. Um, I actually wrote him an email and I just said, Hey, look, man, um, I really, really, uh, don't like the way that you're treating me. Mm. And I have tried for a long time to, 
uh, to, 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 you know, flatten this relationship out and like, you know, get it nice and smooth. And you are constantly reminding me how we're never going to have the relationship that I really want. So I have to have a funeral for this relationship. I have to, you know, literally accept the fact that my dad and I will never, ever, ever have that father-son relationship that I so, so deeply desire. Yeah. Um, I still have hope that maybe one day he'll, you know, maybe he like he has amnesia or something, and he'll hit his head and like you know come to his senses. I, I don't. You don't have that expectation. But anymore. I do not have that expectation. So I still I still do hold on to a little bit of hope. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, ultimately, I had to cut off all communication with my father because anytime I communicated with him, it was it was literally direct opposition to me living a meaningful life. Mm. And I think when it comes down to people in our life who are in constant opposition, even if it's half the time, half op- opposition, you know, you have the, the, the ability to say, hey, you know what, you are constantly not supporting me. In fact, you're doing the opposite of supporting me. You're trying to tear me down and I really need you to not tear me down. And if they continue to, to tear you down, then there's gotta be a certain, something has to give. Right. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, like I have, I have decided to, um, stop the, the, the stop being in limbo. I have taken myself out of limbo with this relationship and I've had a funeral for what I know is probably not ever going to happen. I, th- I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, because you also did the work. Because it's not just explaining the, the what. Like, here are my values. Right. You're explaining, you've also done the work to explain why these are your values. And so for Maria, the thing that she needs to also understand is she can say, well, being debt-free is one of my values. But mm. if your parents don't understand why that is a value or, or living a, a simple life is one of your values, if you just say the what, that's, mm. that's the start. That's the first step, but you got to explain the why. And I know you, and I know your father really well, and I know you've gone through the work of explaining the mm. why, and also yeah. how it has made you a better person for simplifying your life and and walking away from from your dogmatic years of of youth and. Mm. And how that philosophy, that dogma, was no longer serving you. In fact, it was an impediment toward the the meaningful life that you wanted to live. Now, with many people, it's they don't have to take it as far as having a funeral for the ideal relationship they hope to have. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to note, and I'm glad you shared that because it's it is an option. Because sometimes the best way that you can love somebody is from a distance. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't, you don't love your father anymore. It just means this is fighting, arguing, and constantly bickering back and forth with him mm-hmm. was not the best way to love him. No. And I'll tell you what, man. He Even after I sent him that email, he sent me like a two-liner email back, um, basically kind of playing the victim role. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just makes me really angry Yes, uh, when it's i feel like he's doing it to himself right i mean he is stuck in his own head with his own beliefs and his own dogmatics mm-hmm. that is uh basically putting our relationship in opposition to his what what he needs to live a meaningful life right um the thing is is when he sent that the, the two lines back i got really really angry and i responded back with um just some really visceral nasty stuff 
and it's not like I cussed them out or anything, but it was just, you know, pretty, it was kind of this like last, I felt like it was this last ditch effort to try and shake him mm-hmm. and wake him up. And I think, you know, when I look back at those times where I've had these explosive uh, uh, fits of rage, mm-hmm. it's usually because I don't see any other avenue. Uh. And I guess I'm only sharing this because I do not feel any better for sending that that yeah. you know visceral email back to him. So I guess my 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 one piece of advice for sure for Maria is do not express your anger to your parents. Yeah, take the high ground. Yeah, always. because I really wish I would have done that with him. It is um it's just unfortunate that like that has to be my last conversation with him. Is is me is me rant, uh, is me kind of, you know, going on a rant and just expressing this anger that I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um learn from your regret. Yeah, learn yeah. from my regret and don't do that. But you know, the other thing I'll say too Having a funeral for this relationship, um, it, it has helped me over the last. So that happened two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah it was, and it's in the last month. Still, sure. yeah, it's still very hard, very and fresh. It, yes, and it hurts very much. But having the funeral for that relationship and cutting off communication, it has allowed me to start to move forward. Yeah. And every time I get this sinking feeling of, oh, poor me, I don't have a good relationship with my father. Um, I can, I can, you know, well, two things that I think to myself, a, I think about all the awesome relationships I do have in my life. But the other thing too, is there is closure there. Mm -hmm. Like there is closure for me to sit there and say, you know what, Ryan? Um, yes, I I guess I can see his perspective. Um, I can, I can understand where he's coming from, but I do not respect the, uh, divisiveness that he creates in my life. Mm. And I don't understand why he chooses to do that, um, but I never will understand. Right. And it's almost like I've given my, myself permission to not understand why he acts the way he acts. Mm. Um, but You not gave a, yourself the closure as opposed to waiting for the closure. Yeah, and then on top of that too, it's like because I had that f- uh, figurative funeral for, for that relationship, like it's, it's almost like this, like I'm starting to heal over this really crappy toxic relationship yeah you're in this process of lamenting that right now and 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 this is a a lament and 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 that's what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. and it's not a pleasant feeling but what comes out of it will be more pleasant than the constant back and forth yeah and well the the questioning yeah the back and forth is 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 unbelievably frustrating toxic it's so bad dude but then just that again sitting in limbo wondering if you know having that hope that this relationship will will one day be and like expecting it like a piece of me expecting it to happen yeah like that is that's more torture than just accepting the fact that this relationship is dead so really maria answered her own question you were spending a lot of time trying to change the people around you Mm mm-hmm but you realize, like, no, I've got to change the people around me, meaning surrounding myself with the people who are supportive. Not yeah. people who are placating you. I don't placate no, you. No, dude. We challenge each other, but in a way that is supportive yeah. and kind and caring and loving. And we might disagree, but I can't tell you ever when you and I have gone back and forth and done something toxic to, to each other. And if we did, mm. we'd find a way to repair that really quickly. Yeah, man. It's, it's just, it's unfortunate, man, because I know there are people who are listening to this right now and they think of family and they've got an amazing family. And, um, you know, when I think of like the, <laughs> like the, the, the most, um, 
oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the most cliche uh, version of like a family who who is like super strong, tight knit is would be like the mafia. Mm. Like I mean, yeah. that is like that is a super tight knit family, right? Yeah. And um, it, it's obviously I'm not encouraging people to behave like the mafia, but that level of dedication I see it in Hispanic culture a lot too, um, where family actually means something uh-huh. and family they look at as oh that's my family i need to be kinder to them i need to be more supportive uh to them i need to forgive them more than anyone else in my life who isn't family because family they actually hold up and and in an ideal world that's what that's what family is right but unfortunately in my experience especially with my parents um that has never been the case well and i could do one or two things dude i could sit here and look in the mirror and i could say oh poor me Oh, why don't I have good family? Oh, my, my mom, if it wasn't for her, this, and if my dad didn't do that, then, then this would happen. Uh, I, I could sit there and, and be depressed. Yeah, you could be the victim. Or I can accept the fact that life really doesn't have any specific order that it has to be in. Mm-hmm. And uh, to really understand that my expectations shape my mood. Ooh, that's pithy. <laughs> put that well, in. Put that in the show notes podcast, Sean. I, I think what you did is I, I'm noticing here you shifted from having the victim mentality, sort of accidentally, or you 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 were playing the victim role because you had been victimized. Sure. Your father was victimizing you, and you what you've turned into now is you you by having this closure, you've turned that victim role into a victor role role. And now now you are being victorious with your other relationships. And some uh, podcast John and I were talking about last week is I think quite often the thing you're talking about with with the family is we mistake blood relatives for family Mm. and i mean you're closer to me than any of my blood family members um i have five half siblings whom i barely know because my father had them in his first marriage and i've met all of them a couple times and um ever since we were like on the today show and stuff i've had uh, at least one of them reach out to me for money Mm -hmm. but um i I can tell you that that I mean they might be my technical family, but like my real family is more of a metaphorical family. The people who I've chosen to surround myself yeah. with, who are supportive. I, I look at people like you and Bex and Sean and Matt over here. I'm much closer with you all than I am with someone just because we happen to you know shoot out of the same. Uh, uh, womb? Yes, out of the same <laughs> womb. There we go. Dude, you know, it's. I find myself like recording this podcast uh-huh. and talking with you. Like, I feel I have not felt this stilted in a long time. And it's because it's hard to look at your family member mm. and say, you know what? I can't talk to you anymore. Right. It's hard to look at a family member and say, um, this relationship is is so toxic in my life that I have to cut you out. Mm. There's nothing easy about that. Right. And it almost sounds to me like saying it out loud it sounds insensitive sure. to to even recommend that. Yeah. But but I do know from my own experience that yes, sometimes we have to look at our blood relatives and and uh make make really hard choices sometimes. I don't think it's insensitive. And and I'll tell you why. I think it's caring. I'm glad to hear you say that. And and here's why I think it's caring. 
because you're finally caring for yourself here and and you're protecting yourself because here's, here's the problem if you're literally going out and getting beat up every day like physically beat up you're gonna avoid whatever behavior like I'm not going to walk in that neighborhood anymore. I got mm. beat up three days in a row. Like, I'm right. going to stop doing that. But what was happening is you were being beat up psychologically, right. consistently, mm-hmm. and and allowing it to happen over and over. And eventually, I mean, I'm not blaming you as the victim, but eventually you realize like, oh, I shouldn't travel in this neighborhood anymore. I have another option. And for you, that neighborhood that you were getting beat up in psychologically was this particular relationship. Yeah. And you tried to reason with the w- with your captors and, and, and say, hey, guys, the, we shouldn't fight. And here's why we shouldn't fight. Like, you, you worked through it. It wasn't just like, well, I'm terrified, so I'm going to avoid everything. Mm-hmm. No, you actually went in there and did the work. And the best way to care for yourself, because you can't provide for anyone else if you're being beat up all the time, no. you're not the best version of yourself. I think it's it's the absolute most caring thing you can do for the people you love. I'll tell you, man, like over the last, um, so over these last two or three weeks, uh, I had this one like thought where I was like, oh, I wish I could have said this to my dad before I, before I ended our relationship. I, I wish I could have said this one thing. So I actually thought, okay, I'm gonna like do a voice recorded thing and mm. I'm going to email this to him okay. just so I can get this one last thought out. But as I was like recording this voice memo for him, mm-hmm. I just realized like there's nothing I can say more <laughs> that's going to really, um, that's really going to change his mind. So mm. I, I'm bringing this up for, uh, for the reason that if you end a relationship, end the relationship. Yeah. Do not do this, because I used to do this with my ex-girlfriends. Oh, we're broken up. No, we're not. We're broken up. No, we're not. We're yeah. broken up. No, we're not. That is, uh, that's just a recipe for more discontent. Sure. Um, but the other thing too is by not reaching back out to him, it actually, like I woke up the next day and I felt good. Yeah. And uh, it's, I am healing and I am feeling better. I know, it, again, I know it sounds crazy to like cut off communication with my dad mm-hmm. um but it truly has helped me move forward and maria uh maybe you don't have to do that maybe maybe maria is listening to this and she's like oh you know what i haven't approached my parents in this way oh i, I didn't ask my parents for support oh yeah. i didn't go out of my way to support my uh, support my parents because maria before you cut off any relationship with either of your parents you've got to do those things you got to make sure that you're adding as much value to their life as possible that you're supporting them as much as possible because then when you ask for support they're going to be uh, willing to give it back to you and then showing them how they can support. i hope that's the case i yeah. hope that she is um uh coming up with a new approach to to dealing with her parents if she has done all that then yeah uh, it might be time to to start distancing yourself from from that relationship i'm thinking about the closure that, that you got here this was a self-imposed closure mm-hmm. and i think that's a, a very good thing I, I was checking my email this morning and um I, I got to inbox zero because I have OCD. And so like, and it's this weird image pops up and it says, you have no messages, have a nice day. And I realized like, I don't have to wait. And it was this weird, like sort of light bulb went off in my head. Hey, Josh, you don't have to wait until you're at inbox zero until every, everything on your to-do list is checked off, so to speak, your today list. Then 
you don't have to wait till everything is done before you can have a nice day. Mm -hmm. You can have a nice day and then happily accomplish these things as they come along and, of course, prioritize them accordingly. But realizing that you're never going to get to everything in your life. You're never, it's never going to be perfect. And now might be the time for closure. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a, something as simple as closing the browser window and walking away from that realizing okay it wasn't finished mm -hmm. but i've provided some closure or something really difficult where there's a relationship maybe it's someone you've been dating maybe it's a loved one maybe it's a family member maybe it's a parent and there could be time for closure with that mm -hmm. as well well i'd love to send you a copy maria of our book minimalism live a meaningful life we we wrote about the five different values that Ryan and I came up with. And one of those values is relationships. There's an entire chapter in this book on relationships. So podcast, Sean, if you could reach out to her, send her a copy of uh, the audiobook. If she wants the audiobook, if you like our podcast, you'll definitely like the audiobook version. Or if you want the book book version, we can send you that or the ebook version. We hope you enjoy it. Our next question is from Riley in St. Louis. How can I better shine light on my essentialist lifestyle? As I'm getting older, my family is growing more and more non-supportive of the changes I choose to make with who I am. Everything from items that are removed from my life to high reactive situations to constantly refuting my mission in life. I feel like they undermine and deny who I am because they want me to become as they are now. How can I help them see that I am my own person pursuing my own path and only wish to be accepted? So Ryan, I was, I was reminded of two essays that are on our website that, well, we wrote one of them together and then I wrote this one recently about unsolicited discharge. Now, I'm not sure if this is exactly what Riley is getting. I sort of wrote this about criticism, but she's certainly getting some criticism. Before I, I read a little bit of this though, she said something that was fascinating to me. She said, how do I shine a light on my minimalist lifestyle? And I think something's important to, to realize there. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, There's this light above us, right? It's like a, yes. a spotlight almost, right? Mm -hmm. now, there's a thing, there's a good and bad side of shining a light on something. <laughs> because... Uh, because you can see my dry skin in the corner of my <laughs> temples here. and <laughs> It brings out all the flaws, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you have that scar on your forehead, and I can definitely see that scar on your forehead right now. <laughs> now, I think it makes you more beautiful. Thank you. Now, but They call me Frankenstein in grade school. <laughs> Seriously, they did. <laughs> so, uh, so one thing to think about here, if you're trying to shine the light just keep in mind that you're also going to illuminate the flaws. Now, the good thing is you'll actually see what to improve as well. And by shining the light, so you and I, we have written a lot about our own lives. We've talked about our own lives a lot. We've done videos and a documentary about our own lives. Uh, our lives are out there. We've shined the light on our lives. Yeah. And it's helped me really understand and come to terms, but also, it's really difficult. That last little segment, a podcast Sean's tearing up in the corner over there where you were talking about your relationship with your father. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. But shining a light on that is also really difficult and it's hard to talk about. Mm. And quite often, we don't want to confront these issues for real. We, mm. we think we do. Mm. But realize that if you're going into battle with some of these issues, it's actually going to be a battle. Now, in, in terms of... of 
dealing with their um, undermining and they're not being supportive and you want to help them understand. Um, I thought about this essay, Unsolicited Discharge. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it just goes a little something like this. It's really short. Last week, Ryan and I filmed a living room conversation on our YouTube channel about dealing with criticism. While I agree with everything we said, I'd like to add a few words. There is a significant difference between feedback and criticism. We must seek feedback from trusted people because it makes our work and our life better, right? Yeah. Feedback. In fact, um, uh, yesterday we were in the process of, of hiring a, a filmmaker for The Minimalists. And mm-hmm. what, what we did is we, we got in a room. We, we got with the 19 different finalists. We were watching their, their, their videos, their submissions, their reels. But then we, we narrowed it down to a top seven. And we sent the top seven to uh, our trusted friends. We wanted feedback from people like Matt. And, and I sent it to Bex and, and um, Jeff Dave, and Dave. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And so we got, and, and Jess, Jessica provided feedback yeah. and and so we got feedback from all of these these different people because feedback helps us understand what we're missing gives us a clean pair of eyes and, and it's important it's not always they're not going to agree with us but that's a good thing yeah. right yeah man it well criticism is so important man it's so important well, well, to, feed, to here's the thing i say feedback's important that's, i like to I, I i know it sounds like semantics but i mm-hmm. like to differentiate for me feedback provides the problem with the solution mm-hmm. most criticism when i think about like just visceral criticism mm-hmm. it just highlights the problem and they're like uh oh look at that scar on his forehead you know right. it's a youtube comment or well whatever. see well see that's where i differentiate that's not that's not criticism uh-huh. that is discharge exactly so so for me when i say criticism is important i think criticism can be part of feedback uh i don't think they're you know uh interchangeable words but i think criticism is is a piece of that um i think criticism is important because none of us are perfect yeah and any of us who walk around and think that we have it figured out 100%, well, then that, that person's an idiot. Yeah. And uh, for me to not take, for me to not look at criticism, even going back to the, the, the relationship with my dad, the criticism he would give me, I would, uh, you know, tr- try to uh, subjectively look at as best as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can look at some of his criticism and, and it does one or two things for me. It either makes me say, oh, you know what? They have a point. I should X, Y, and Z. Or it makes me look at myself and say, oh, you know what? No, I'm really, really secure with who I am and the way that I'm living my life. And I don't uh, agree where uh, where their perspective is coming from with that criticism. Right. So it, it strengthens. who It either helps me be a better person right. or it will strengthen who, who I already am with, with criticism. Yeah. When it comes to discharge, when it comes to unsolicited discharge, yes. that stuff I can easily look at and and uh just kind of compartmentalize it and be like oh like that person is a troll well it, especially anything online because like people they behave totally different online yes they are different people online than they are in real life and the same so, is true with text so messages for, yeah and absolutely the, the, the different the different formats that, yeah. that we go through so so when you talk about uh the, this discharge the thing that i think about is you say it's easier for you to compartmentalize it mm-hmm. i think for most people and for us until we you and i've been criticized so frequently so much it's like up up to and including death threats it hurt yeah it hurt up until about midway through 2014 i finally started to like just be able to compartmentalize it but continue. Well, and, and that's because i think we developed some some calluses along the way yeah um but but when i talk about seeking feedback from trusted people and then avoiding criticism from naysayers uh because it 
it really I think it clutters our lives if we're just getting the that discharge right yeah and so so here's the thing I said in the essay whenever you create something meaningful you will be critiqued. And I would say oh, yeah. to Riley, whenever you do something meaningful, if you're simplifying your life and you find meaning in that, if you're getting rid of debt, if, if you're trying to make some sort of change, mm-hmm. you are going to be critiqued. There's no doubt about well, it. Whenever you stand for something and people in your life are not standing for the same thing, they want to point out how you're really not standing for that. I'm not standing for that. And yeah. you're really not standing for it either. And yeah. here's why. You're not a real minimalist. You own underwear, whatever, right? Whatever, yeah. In fact, I've got some uh, examples here. That I, I pulled these from our YouTube comments recently. And so I, what I said is no matter how close to perfect your creation is, or no matter how close to perfect your life is, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how close to perfect it is, you will be judged. And so here are some, some recent comments. I not, and I'll tell you what I did with them in a second. The lighting in your on your podcast looks creepy. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> this video is stupid. And they spelled stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Yeah. That's so funny. Dude. And someone actually uh, um, commented, don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a day job. <laughs> and so but, see, um, but you know what though if we met those three people in person they wouldn't dare say that to our face right i i, I agree with that and, and and that's that to me that's how i can compartmentalize it it's because well just with the example of the person who spelled stupid s-t-o-o-p-i-d they obviously don't even take their own comment seriously exactly but but here's the thing i, I and i think that translates to riley's question here I think when we get so comfortable with someone, sometimes we accidentally say some of these things that are hurtful and we don't realize that they're hurtful. They're just flippant. These are really flippant comments. Yeah. And we're really close to someone like parents or close family members. Sometimes we accidentally say things. That's the exception. Your family, they will say that stuff to you. Right. To your face. Yeah. Which, yeah, which it does hurt. And so that's why this, this, this stood out with me and Riley. So here, here's what I'll say to Riley from the essay. Most criticism is merely an unsolicited discharge of personal preference. Mm. And because you didn't ask for it, you aren't required to respond. Yeah. I didn't respond to these people. No, this video isn't stupid. But no, the lighting, see what we're trying to do. No, yeah. I don't care. Right. I don't have a day job. Should I get one? Yeah, right. <laughs> what day job do you recommend I get? <laughs> um, and and so, so, so you aren't required to respond. In fact, it's best not to clap back. Instead, click delete or mute or block and move on to the next creation. So that's exactly what I did with, with these. I, I block these people. I'll never see their comments ever again. Right. And here's the thing. I think you may not be able to block them, but you can delete or mute. And sometimes that requires uh, the leverage you have with your parents, with your family members is creating some distance from them. Mm-hmm. If they're behaving in a way that is unsupportive, then you don't have to accept that. You can walk away. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you go to the extreme right away of, well, I've had a funeral for, oh, you said one bad thing about me? This relationship's dead. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about, oh, okay. Uh, pointing it out. Hey, you know what you just said right there? I, I feel like that's really not supportive. Yeah. And I'd appreciate if you would support me because I care about you and I think you care about me. Just to go back to your point of, because yeah, you're not going to end a relationship over one criticism or one negative interaction. And there really isn't a number of how many interactions you have to have before you end a relationship. But it just made me think, um, 
the the when I know to end a relationship is when I feel tormented. Mm. When I feel like I've done everything I can to save a relationship and I still feel tormented, and I have been putting in that us box, and I've been putting in that us box, and 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 the other person has not put anything in that us box, and if, if anything, they've been taking from it. Right. Like that is where I think is where you end the relationship. Riley, you are not at this point. You're 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, you are. You've got a a. It's so funny, man. Because when I was 20, I would say the same stuff like man i'm getting older and like people just you know 37 year olds like me would laugh at laugh at myself and be like ha ha you think you're getting older you're 20 years old but so so you know i'm not i'm not undermining the fact that riley is getting older but riley you're super young and i'll tell you it took my mom about five years before she finally came around and uh she is so supportive now and um i never thought it was going to happen i the hope was there but the expectation of getting 100% support from my mom, it, it was it, it was not there. Now, luckily, that relationship did come full circle. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I've told the story before. I'll tell it again real quick. But, like, the, the moment I realized, like, oh, my God, like, my mom, she accepts me and she is supporting me. It's when she was visiting Mariah and I in Montana. And it was the first time she had ever come out there. Mariah and I had just moved into a new place. I picked her up from the airport bring her back to my house. She opens up her suitcase. And the first thing she pulls out is like this, um, like a vase and some candles and some other stuff. And she's like, Hey, I got you a present. And like in my head, I'm like, all right, Ryan, don't be a jerk. Don't, right. don't project my own insecurity about having things that I don't need. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't say anything. I just, you know, let her talk. And she was like, here are some things. Um, I love you. I'm proud of you. I am uh, really proud of, uh, uh, of, of of the relationship you've built with Mariah. This is a beautiful place. And I just wanted to show you my appreciation. If this doesn't fit in your life, then please go find a good home for it. Please give it away to someone that who is going to use it. And it was in that moment I was like, oh my God. like Breakthrough. It, yeah, it took five years yes. to get that breakthrough. So Riley, um, so that on, the other, on the other side of the spectrum with my mom, I showed support. Went way out of my way to appreciate her to accept her, to love her, to respect her. I did everything I could and it paid off after five years. Mm. So Riley, do the same thing with your parents. Show them support, show them love, show them respect. Go out of your way to have these conversations with them about how you need respect. See, when, when when, when any of us demand respect, we first must ask the question, have we shown respect? Right. And if if that is not the case, then you must show respect before you gain respect. You can't demand respect. Cannot, That's not how respect works. It's and, just not how it works. And her question was, can you can can how can I help them understand that I want to be accepted? And that reminded me of this other essay that we wrote called Understanding Others. I'm certainly not going to read this whole thing because it's a long one, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But there's this acronym in there, T A R A, that you've heard us talk about before, and it's it's really the path toward understanding other people. Yeah. And so all and respects one of those, but Riley, if you want them to accept you, that is like that's after the first step. It's tolerance first. Mm. First, you have to find a way that they can tolerate your lifestyle. So are they doing that? Are you tolerating them as well? And then it gets toward acceptance. And we we talk about the steps on sort of getting past tolerance because it starts there. But tolerance is a really weak virtue. And if you just tolerate someone, imagine if you're you were living with Mariah. I mean, mm-hmm. you live with Mariah now, but you all just <laughs> tolerated each other. Oh, God. 
that would be a miserable existence. But it is necessary to have the tolerance first before you can get to the acceptance of, well, she's different. She has her own preferences, her own desires, her own mm -hmm. interests. And then beyond that, a huge leap to the third step is respect. T-A-R-A, yeah. Tara. You and, know, it's... Well, go ahead. Well, and the last one is appreciation. And yeah. that is the huge leap. Eventually, I think you can get to a point, Riley, where you appreciate them for who they are, mm. warts and all, realizing that their life is different from yours. Yeah. And that's okay. In fact, that's what makes life beautiful are all these differences. Because what what's the alternative? That we're all exactly the same? Yeah. Well, then there's nothing to appreciate anyway. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, when it comes to that appreciation piece of it man it's not like so with mariah as an example like yeah she has more things than i than i have um i don't know the number of things i just know that there are a lot of things around the house where i'm like oh like that's not mine that's mariah's and it's not that i appreciate the fact that she collects more things mm -hmm. but what i do appreciate is the love the kindness the respect that mariah shows this relationship and i also appreciate everything she does for our relationship i mean the the, the way that um she's just like your stereotypical loves to cook and and loves to take care of the house and loves to like just really um create a beautiful environment for us to live in mm -hmm. and she loves to take care of the relationship yes and she does and i appreciate that so much that for me to look at her stuff and say you know what I know that you got more stuff than me, but it's cool. I love you so much. And like everything you do for this relationship, I appreciate so much. Mm. If, if, it, if, it, if it helps her, if it shows her the appreciation by me letting go of my own insecurities and my own idiosyncrasies yeah. for her, uh, for her, uh, her I want to say her well-being, but it's more than her well-being, but her preferences. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Matt does this with, with Natalie, which by the way, Matt just got engaged oh my god the yeah Italian, the congrats Italian matt stallion that's right but man he uh uh i mean with natalie i mean i know she's definitely not a minimalist you did a video on your youtube channel about living with your non-minimalist girlfriend your non-minimalist fiance you have to like update the title right you just yeah. go in and, like do voiceovers like to inject the word fiance but um uh i mean she, she showed up to dodgeball last week i could tell she was probably wearing a brand new outfit that said usa because it was the fourth of july it wasn't no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, she bought it on like 4th of July two years ago. She didn't get rid of it. I, I tried to be able to pare it down. Yeah, well. That's great. Uh, yeah, and I can tell, like, like Matt would never show up wearing the, the USA tank top or whatever. But, like, it, it's that. And, and the cool thing is, like, I actually saw you appreciated that. Like, you've got this little Australian woman who shows up at our dodgeball league, like, being the most American 4th of July person there. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty great so you're able to appreciate these idiosyncrasies in a way when you step back from yourself and realize hey uh i'm not solipsistic i'm not the center of the universe right i can appreciate these other things too and that's okay yeah 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 and i i guess what i'm trying to get at too is like again it's not like i appreciate head on i look at mariah's collection of things and i head on i go you know what i've learned to appreciate her collection of things no what what i have learned to do is by showing her that i accept uh, accept her idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. that 
is in turn showing her how much I appreciate the relationship. You you appreciate her as a whole, even if even if you don't like every single trinket. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Riley, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. There's a there's a chapter in there where we talk about sort of surrounding ourselves with supportive people and that transition from our corporate world and the days of yesteryear into a life that was more meaningful with more people who were supportive. So I'd love to send you a copy of that, either the audio book, the book book, or the ebook, and also. If you're willing to make a drive down to Louisville, which is not that far from St. Louis, I've actually made the drive from Louisville to St. Louis before. It's about four hours? Yeah, it's about right. Three and a half, four hours. Yeah. You drive really fast, two and a half hours. Um, no, if, uh, but it's it's not that long of a drive. We're going to be in Louisville this weekend with Chris Hogan. We're going on the Simply Southern tour. So, Sean, when you reach out to her, give her a copy of Everything That Remains, but ask her if she wants a couple tickets to the Louisville stop. Uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be in Alabama and Tennessee as well uh, with Dave Ramsey's team. All right, uh, where are we moving from here? We'd love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about parents or family or understanding others, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And stay tuned to the end of this week's episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time is it? (laughs) You know what time is it? You know what time it is? It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We do indeed. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place thanks to Jessica Lynn Williams. Um, You can find them over at minimalmaxims.com. All right, our first question is from Taylor. My parents constantly ask me to clear their clutter for them, but they aren't willing to give up anything. What do I do? Well, so my pithy answer to this, and maybe we could talk a little bit about it, is doing is often the opposite of helping. Think about this for a second. I mean, you, you could help them by maybe doing it together, right? But if I'm constantly doing something for you, I'm not really helping you unless you absolutely need the help, right? Ryan, if you broke both of your legs and both of your arms, I'm happy to get you food while you recover. But if like after you've recovered, I'm still spoon feeding you, like that's not helping anyone, right? It's infantilizing yeah. them. So I think what is happening right now is, is Taylor is infantilizing his or her parents i'm not sure if taylor is a, a guy or a gal here but but um you might just be infantilizing you in fact enabling them and keeping them from growing if they're asking for help then maybe the best way to help them is to show them how you do it together yeah uh my my short answer is this helping is helpful unless the people you're helping don't want help mm. and ultimately uh I think about, I had a situation with a family member where they were doing a lot of drugs and another family member was like, hey, I need you to talk to so-and-so. They're having a really hard time. They're hooked on drugs and it would really mean a lot to me if you went and tried to help them out. And I went and talked to this family member and from the first sentence that they said, like I could tell they didn't want help. Mm. Like they knew they had a problem, but they were okay with having a problem. Yeah. And that's the only conversation I, I had with them about uh, uh, trying to help them essentially. Because, I, because ultimately trying to help them when they don't want help was driving me, it, it would drive me mad. 
it drove me mad growing up. My, my mother was a really bad alcoholic um, most of most of my childhood years. And, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand why. And you're like, hey, if, if you loved me, you would stop. Right. And I would try to help. And I thought it was helpful to, like, hide her wine or hide her beer it was i mean it 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 temporarily stopped the problem i mean mm. i saw this hilarious video on on Jesus and marrow they were uh you know they go over like clips there's this kid who was trying to get his mom to stop smoking he would constantly sneak up on her with a pair of scissors and just cut the tip off of her cigarette and run away she'd get mad and throw stuff at him the same thing would kind of happen with my mom except there was no hilarity ensuing like i didn't have anything fun like i was just like really hurt by the whole whole thing and realize like she sometimes she wanted help but there were times when she didn't and i was like i was trying to force help onto someone mm. you can't drag someone kicking and screaming to success no i mean <laughs> there's always an exception to the rule but that's not that's not a a good plan <laughs> right yeah yeah and, and so I, I think it sounds to me like there here's the good good news though they're asking you for help, it sounds like. They're asking you to clear... Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just saying, oh, we're lazy and we want you to clean all of our clutter. Now, if that's the case, then you say, oh, I can't help you. But if they're saying, hey, can you help me? You say, yeah, I'd be happy to help you. Let's the three of us get together this Saturday at 2 p.m. and I'll show you exactly how I'm able to organize my stuff and I think it'll help you out a lot. So be willing to help if they want to help, but only if they're willing to help you know, the other themselves. Thing, the other thing, too, like I, I just thought with you saying that is... <laughs> his parents have to contribute somehow right hey get rid of my stuff and then i put the burden on you to get rid of my stuff josh mm -hmm. you come over to my house and then i just push back on everything you try to help me with uh, so taylor don't don't keep spinning your wheels here what's well, even worse a helping a drowning person you might drown yourself yeah yeah tweet that sean all right what's our next question our next question is from larry is there a way to get aging parents to understand the real value of possessions that they believe have worth but are likely worthless so they stop trying to give away things that someone else will simply need to throw out so yeah i have seen plenty of examples of this where you've got like a maybe not like the the uh the worst side of the spectrum hoarding Mm -hmm. but you've got people who hold on to a lot of stuff, a lot of antiques, a lot of trinkets, a lot of things. Trinkets is a good word for this. And I've been to these, you know, I've been to homes like this and they're like, oh, you need a blender. Mm -hmm. Literally, like I've been this, you need a blender. Here's a blender. And like the blender that I get, I'm like, oh, thank you. But it's like, it's not, you know, it's got weird stains on it and... Uh, it's just not a blender that I would ever spend any money on or yeah. like just it, it maybe doesn't have the feature it didn't have the feature I needed. But I remember taking that blender. It was actually a food processor, taking that food processor and then giving it away <laughs> and or donating worse, it. Or worse, it could be broken. Like, hey, I've got but you can get it, it was partially actually it was partially broken. The, but you can get it fixed. Right. Yeah. And, and so they're essentially I mean, they're not essentially they are quite literally handing you trash. Yeah. And it's it, it doesn't. It seems different, but it's not appreciably different from if I were to go into my trash can, pull out the trash bag and say, hey, Ryan, you need this. You know what I do as a minimalist when I meet these people, Josh? And you scorn things. them and you go like this with your finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's only applicable for the people watching this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Shout out to our YouTube viewers. Um, I, I take the item and I say thank you. Ah. And that's it, man. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, at that point... Um, like I'm not going to 
I'm not going to help them by scoring them. You're I'm not, not going to help them, them either. Yeah, I'm not helping them by projecting my own insecurities at them. I am, yeah, I, I'm not going to change them by, there's no magic sentence I could say that's going to make them stop hoarding. Well, I wrote something down here. This isn't my short answer, but it echoes exactly what you said. You don't have to be mean to be honest, and we can provide feedback uh, without questioning someone's intentions. Mm. And uh, so I have a few short answers here. Patience is paramount. Sometimes we have no patience Amen. for these people because, hey, you know what? It took me personally 29 years to get to minimalism, right? Right. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to expect you to change over the, the long holiday weekend or something. Right. No, it doesn't work that way. And so it's about having patience with the other people. So what you're displaying there when you take that thing is you're having patience. Now, mm-hmm. you can still show them through your actions, not through, well, you know what? This is a piece of junk. Um, that's, that's not helpful. So it's about being helpful, still, still being kind. Yeah. Uh, although here's what I'll say. Here's my pithy answer is most gift horses have tooth decay. Um, you know, they say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, but I think that's nonsense. Um, <laughs> I've never understood that saying. Well, so, okay. The saying is don't look. So back in the day, if you got a gift horse, what like, the fuck is a gift horse? <laughs> a gift horse is <laughs> like a horse that's been gifted to me. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. back in the day, it would be a gift, like a nice gift. It's like, okay. I'm giving you this Thanks horse. for a horse. So don't look it in the mouth because, because sometimes people just give you a, a horse that's dying and you could tell because they had rotting teeth. If they had uh, bad teeth. Okay. And so, Someone gave you a gift horse. First thing people do, look at the teeth because they're like, I don't want to care for this rotting horse. If you give me a dying horse, I don't want to have to deal with it. So realize that if you're getting a gift, maybe it's it's not an actual gift. Dude, at all. now that I understand what this idiom means, uh-huh. I don't agree with it. Why? So, here's a gift. Here's a rotting gift. Uh huh. So the term "don't look a gift horse in the mouth" right. means just take the shut up and take the gift. That's that's why I say I don't agree with it. I say most gift horses have tooth decay. Yeah, dude. And so so look out for that and realize that that mo- I guess what I'm really saying is most gifts aren't necessarily gifts, but also junk is in the eye of the beholder. So maybe they th- really thought they were giving you something really yeah. nice, and and they thought they were being caring, and and that's why you the way you approach it is oh. okay. Thank you very much. Have yeah. a nice day, and then you once it's your thing you get to determine what you do with your thing you know it's kind of if you think about it like people who let's go with the, the horse or the blender for that matter i have a really i have a horse with two tooth decay maybe it's got three three good years left right and i give it to you here here's a here's a gift horse it's kind of it's kind of selfish for me to be like yeah i don't want to I don't want to take the last three years out of this horse. You know, it's 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 already dying. But here, Josh, he can take the last three days. Oh, I don't want this blender because yes, I have a better blender. I have a better food processor. Here's one that's slightly broken and slightly damaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to pawn that off on someone else. Yeah. So they can get the maximum life out of it. Yeah. Um. That just that seems that's a horrible saying. Right. <laughs> a horrible saying. What's your short answer? My short answer is this. It's difficult. Oh wait, wait. No, my short answer is this. You can't fix a problem until you see the problem. So how do you get a hoarder or someone older or or you know a person in your life who really values sentimental items, how to view them differently? Uh, you really, there's nothing you can do to change their perspective. There's nothing you can say to them. What you can do is you can live a meaningful life. Mm. You can show them by example what, what it means to live a simplified life. Yeah. And if they look at you and think, oh, wow, that person looks really happy. I'm going to start applying some of their principles to my life because they seem like they're living a really happy life. 
if that person is looking at you and saying, oh my God, how can they, how can they live without a garage full of boxes filled with trinkets and junk? I don't know how they live their life that way. That's crazy. I love my junk. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's their preference. Right. And, and well, it, it goes back to what Riley was saying. If you shine a bright enough light, you will eliminate the flaws. But in this case, you're shining the light on a more meaningful life, mm-hmm. a less cluttered life, a calmer, stiller life. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's going to look appealing to them. Instead of me saying you need to get rid of your stuff, say, wow, look how calm this is. All right. P.S. Ryan, we have one postscript question here. Can you discuss the need for financial boundaries when it comes to grandkids? How can you raise a child to understand worth when everything is given? So we have a problem here with grandparents. Um, I I see this personally. Other family members, they constantly want to give stuff to Ella because Mm. we think that gift giving is a love language. So we're going to answer that on our Postscript episode today. And if you'd like to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's Postscript episode over at the Minimalist Private Podcast, available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. That's why it's a private podcast. So if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free because advertisements suck, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. Let me just say this instead of continuing to read this whole script here. Um, we use the Patreon support to pay for the studio space. Yes. Right. We refuse to do advertisements on our podcasts, on our YouTube videos, on our website. We don't do advertisements anywhere. If you want to read why, go to theminimalists.com slash ads. We have a... A long essay. Uh, it's an honest conversation starter, really, about what we think about advertisements. Are they all inherently bad? No, but most of them kind of suck. Well, right? yeah, especially like well, the platform like YouTube, for example. You don't really, you really don't get to choose the advertisements either. I right. Mean, but even if we could choose the advertisements, we still wouldn't do it. Right. And uh, Sam Harris has done something about this recently. I quoted him in, in that essay called "Can We Have an Honest Conversation About Advertisements?" We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But here, here's the thing. Ryan and I don't make any money from this podcast, from our YouTube videos. In fact, we spend money on this stuff. So we have to rent out the studio space. We had to build the studio space. We had to pay for all the equipment. We pay Podcast Sean to produce the show. We're hiring a filmmaker as well. Patreon almost covers half of that. And so the rest of it comes from me and Ryan. In fact, the costs are about to go up. Hiring the filmmaker is going to be costly. And the only way that we can afford it is if we have enough support from our Patreon supporters. So when we ask you to support the show, we're really appreciative and we give a lot back to our Patreon supporters as well. You get every week you get a bonus episode. We we do a postscript episode where we answer one question. We're going to answer this question about grandkids and family members giving stuff to our kids. We give you a postscript episode every week. There's over 60 of them out there right now. We give you access to all of our unpublished live events. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, uh, for an example, we we just put out the Melbourne event. We did the Sydney event. Um, Which one are we doing next, Sean? I think we're doing, is it Houston or Dallas? One of them. Uh, Houston. Okay. Uh, Podcast Sean's telling me Houston. So the next one's coming out is Houston. And so any of our live events, you'll get access to those. Also, any of our upcoming live events, you get access to tickets before they go on sale to the general public. So you can get the best seats in the house. We also do a monthly live stream video called Ask the Minimalists Anything. So you can ask us any question you want and we answer it. And we also let our hair down a bit on those on, on those episodes. I won't tell you exactly what we talk about, but sometimes we're able to get... Um, 
We'll just say a little more intimate on the... the uh, it's easy to be open when you know this is going out to only a few thousand people instead of right. hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Yeah. yeah, so if you want to support us, head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. We really do appreciate it. Shout out to our Patreon supporters. You keep this podcast 100% advertisement free. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. If you remove all of life's friction yeah you lose traction yeah remember when you had your accident your your car accident Mm -hmm. your crash Mm -hmm. of early 2014 january 2014 you're driving down i-90 and you crashed because the person next to you had no traction yeah they lost well they had no friction because it was ice right and they slid into you. So if you lose traction, you start sliding all over the place. Yeah. And I think you do that in life. When money is just handed to you and toys are just handed to you, everything is just handed to you. You don't have to work for it. And so I think the answer here is help your kids do some help your kids by encouraging them to do difficult things. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, you know I'm, I'm rarely sentimental, and it's pretty hard to get me to tear up over anything. <laughs> um, I was re- So uh, Dennis Johnson died, was that last year or two years ago? I didn't realize he died. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, he, 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 you know, he lived in Idaho. Jesus' my, son, right? Yeah, Jesus' son. Um, uh, he wrote, well, he's not Jesus' son. No, uh, no, he, he wrote, wrote the, Jesus. Yeah, there's yeah. a novel called Jesus' Son, yeah. um, which is nothing like what it sounds like. No. It's, it's about heroin and the main character. It has name. nothing to do with Christianity. No, the main character's name is Fuckhead. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, anyway, he he wrote this short story collection called The Largest of the Sea Maiden. Um, and I read the first story. It was really good. And then... Uh, sometimes Bex and I like read aloud. We were sitting out on the the balcony over the weekend. I was reading the second short story in there. Um, I think it was called The Starlight on Idaho. And it's about, it's very similar to Jesus' son. There's like this guy, he's in this rehab facility. And he's writing letters to like his, and, and, and this was like the appropriate for this. He was like writing letters to his grandparents and parents about how all these times he screwed up and but then he, he was writing a letter to the Pope and, and uh, yeah, he was like, he was coming to terms, going through his sort of 12 step process and, mm. and, you know, going to AA meetings kind of thing. And I, I and I, I don't, have you been to AA meetings before? Um, I have went with my mom a few times when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. I, I went, I went quite a bit and I went to Al-Anon meetings as well, which mm-hmm. is like family members of people who are in AA and it just brought back this this rush of like mm. oh man like um because he was my mom believed very heavily that like a lot of her problems were caused by satan and oh uh and to you me know the, it was like the best way to avoid your problems being caused by satan is stop believing in satan <laughs> <laughs> yes and so like i uh it, it's a way to sort of abdicate your own responsibilities of like well i can't control this it's not my fault it's satan the devil's doing it right the devil and uh he was writing this letter to the pope and in the story and and like blaming like satan and like all of a sudden like it just brought back these these feelings of 
I remember when I was 21 and my mom was in county jail and I was like visiting her on my 21st birthday. Mm. And uh, it was the strangest thing because like, like somehow she was able to like get, it was, it was the oddest scene. Like I could see this in a, in a, a movie. Um, Cause she somehow got the guards to convince the guards to like get some helium inflated balloons for me for my 21st birthday. So I show up to the county jail. My mom's doing a 60 or 90 day stint for a DUI. Oh, wow. And the guard hands me, I'm holding these helium balloons, like multicolored 21 balloons. Oh my God. And I had to walk up to the glass to pick up the phone to have this conversation with my mom on my 21st birthday. And, oh, my God. And, you know, she's sober now because she's behind behind the glass there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brought back all these sort of memories. And, and there are – and I have closure on it now, but – in, in my waking hours, but I don't dream that much. Whenever I have dreams, they tend to be nightmares, and they're almost almost exclusively about my mother. Mm. And and this book, I mean, this is what good fiction does. Mm. It it brings out the the emotions that maybe we didn't want to deal with. Yeah. And it helped in a way. Way it was cathartic. It helped me deal with some of those emotions. It it brought me back to that place. I forgot about being there on my twenty first birthday holding the these ridiculous balloons in the warren county correctional uh i don't know who had it worse growing up man no i sometimes i think (laughs) no i was more dysfunctional i i i I mean it's weird like i mean you got beat a lot more than i did so that's true um yeah 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 so i i don't know but um um plus you you know it's funny man like just going back to the like getting over this 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 relationship that i've had a funeral for i've talked to some friends and i have this one friend in particular who if i let them go on they they could go on for an hour about how you're so great and you don't deserve this and you're such a lovable guy and people and 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 those are very kind words Mm. like i appreciate it but in the same token like i don't feel like a victim like i am not i'm not living up to the victim role right and well, and that we talked earlier about the victor versus victim. Yeah. And, and yes, I, you I, you could look at my situation, your situation, and say you were the victim. And instead, I look at it like I can't believe I got out of that. Yeah. Um. We yeah. Were, last week we were talking about that Drake song, the Elevate song, and, and uh, like I couldn't imagine like when I was there and getting over to this side. I man, I feel like the victor. Like yeah. Man, I I you know it's like when when. LeBron dragged uh, a bunch of subpar pl- <laughs> subpar players to the finals, and in 2016, actually dragged them to winning the finals. Yeah, and you realize, like, oh, I feel like I've done the same thing. I'm the LeBron of my own life, right? Uh, getting past those circumstances. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at, man. Is like I think you and I, instead of you know, because it's easy, it is easy to fall into the victim role, mm. but instead of using that as a a source of discontent and uh, allowing you know negativity or discontent or even drama into our lives like mm-hmm. we take what has happened to us and yes like coming through the other side is so much better than playing victim yeah like li- owning up to having uh not control because you know i never feel like i'm fully in control but i am fully in control of my decisions and like that to me and making good decisions living a good life like that is that's the best way to kind of overcome 
uh, all those all those you know times that we were victims of yeah. of our families. Yeah, if you if even if you are a victim of something, mm-hmm. I was a victim of a hit and run mm. uh, last year. We yeah. were on tour. We were in Dayton, Ohio. I was in a rental car, and uh, I was on Feedwire Road, uh, uh, and what is that, Wilmington Pike? Mm-hmm. And I was driving, and this truck just sideswiped me. I don't even know if he, he was a huge truck. I don't even know that he sideswiped me and like totally like ripped the bumper off. It yeah. was crazy. And, uh, you know, startled me for sure. Mm -hmm. And I saw, oh, my God, I can't believe it happened. But also, oh, my God, like, it could be worse. And... And I made it out of this, and yeah. that's okay. And I have to, you know, I have to deal with the insurance, and I have to pay the deductible because we never caught the guy, and the police couldn't find him. But guess what? It could have been worse. And and I, out of everything I've been able to overcome, yeah. I'm sure there'll be other things I have to overcome too. There's yeah. gonna be something terrible that will happen at some point, and I need to be able to overcome that. It makes me sad, man, when I see certain people I love, family members or friends, who they get stuck in in playing the victim role. Mm. It's a lot of the times it's easier to play victim. It is easier to say, Oh, my life isn't good because I'm a victim of this situation. So, uh, the rest of my life, all of the problems that I have, it's due to this one. It's easy to like point the finger and And, and connect, tether everything back to that, that, that past sort of influence. Yeah. And some, some folks who live in this state of being a victim, they wouldn't know what to do. They're scared of not being a victim. Yeah, they wouldn't know what to do if they actually had to take some responsibility for their own life. Mm. And uh, yeah, just reiterating, taking responsibility feels so much better than playing the role of a victim. Last year, I did something uh, with a, the rubber band thing that I'm sure you've probably done. Some, uh, 21 days without complaining. I think it's like a Tim Ferriss thing, or yeah. whatever. But uh, I tried it out, and like, you can't be the victim if you never complain, right? right. And so even we got to, to the point before, if I didn't even complain out loud, like God, this is can't believe I'm stuck in trap, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like after a while, after the, the the Pavlovian response, yeah, all of a sudden it was like even in my head, if I had the complaint in my head, I would snap myself. Yeah, and then the complaint started going away in my own head because I was reprogramming myself in a way. And so if you want to avoid the victim role, I think quite often it starts with stopping the complaining yeah and it's easy to stop once you become aware that i'm complaining all the time yeah yeah some people i mean maybe they're in a you know i'm not trying to undermine people who are in situations right now but to get through it and yes like reprogram how we we view how we were victimized um yes it's it's uh it's just a much better way to, to to deal with people who were an obstinance to your life essentially yeah Yeah. and the way i would sum this up basically is yes you might be a victim you may have been a victim Mm -hmm. but you don't have to keep being a victim in fact you have to stop feeling like the victim to eventually become the victor yeah uh i'm I'm gonna recommend we recommended this probably within the first 20 podcasts maybe 30 but uh the app every dollar so i finally downloaded this app Uh and started using it okay it is a it's dave ramsey's uh app that he has to help budget Mm -hmm. and mariah and i well after like because i've been reading rachel cruz's book and chris hogan's and anthony anthony o'neill and preparing for the tour yes and i talked about this in the last podcast about if you have money problems but don't have a budget then don't complain about your money problems. Right. Because budget is step one to not having money problems. Yes. And uh, it has it has just really inspired me to um, redo Mariah and I's budget. I mean, we did a budget years ago. Uh-huh. But what it, uh, Chris Hogan in his book, uh, Retire Inspired, he said, um, 
he said you should have a i'm paraphrasing here you should have like a financial uh meeting once a month with with you and your your partner mm-hmm. even you and your family that yeah. the household um the government doesn't even do that <laughs> and uh, like looking at the government as as the example is like a really that's a really bad way to <laughs> to, to like view our finances well, it's a great example of, of what not to of do. unnecessary spending right yeah, yeah exactly so so you know when i when i was hearing that line i'm like wait a minute i mariah and i haven't talked about our our budget for years like we just kind of came up with a budget and then we moved to la like okay it's going to cost us this much more but it's very it's very loosely based mm-hmm. so uh yeah d- downloading every dollar and like actually planning out every single dollar that we're spending this i think this month. is this is what reason this is great is we talk about having a budget to get out of debt and that budget your budget you had really helped you get out of debt yeah my budget helped me get out of debt mm-hmm. what you're talking about is going beyond that even being out of debt you know i've been out of debt for at least half a decade yeah and still sticking to a budget helps you what is it? it it illuminates the flaws i want to yeah it does i want to be the best saver that i can be yeah. when it comes to my finances like i want like the retire inspired book i mean it's really motivating to uh it's good motivation to help you really have a plan for your retirement mm. and um i think you know i would do okay but looking at my finances after uh you know reading these books I am. I realized that I could do much better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we downloaded every dollar, and dude, it is awesome. Like you can, you can literally put in every single line item. It's super intuitive. Um, I mean, it took me a second to kind of figure out how it worked, mm-hmm. but it is a free budgeting app, and it has made the world a difference. And dude, it has done things like, like I will. Uh, we were walking the other day to dodgeball, mm-hmm. and I wanted to like stop and just grab like a water or a sparkling water at the convenience store. Yeah. And I was like, God, if I do that, I'm gonna have to like get out my phone and put that expenditure in my, in, in, in my budgeting app. Uh-huh. And there, we have a, we have a bottle of water right here that we brought with us. Uh-huh. I don't really need this sparkling water, uh-huh. but it like totally, it just helps you. Uh, it just changes your perspective on how you spend money because it is just so easy to be like, oh, I'm gonna spend two bucks here. I'm gonna spend three bucks there. I'm gonna spend two bucks here. Well, if you have to type that into an app every single time you spend two or three bucks. You start realizing a lot of it's junk. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We already talked about dodgeball. We already talked about Drake at least once on this episode. We'll, so we'll <laughs> twice on this episode, so we'll stop. Um, oh, we're hiring a filmmaker. So the reason we're doing a three-camera setup here and that Matt is here today is we had about 50 people, nearly 50 people, apply for round one for this. The Minimalists, it's our favorite game show. The Minimalists are hiring a filmmaker. <laughs> and uh, we narrowed it down to 19 people for round two. They submitted, they answered a bunch of questions, and they submitted, and we sat down as a team this, uh, this weekend, me, you, and Sean and Jess remotely but then we also got we narrowed it down to seven people and then we got feedback from Matt and and uh, Jeff and Dave who do our web development and design and, and Jessica gave us some additional feedback Bex gave us some feedback and we we got this top seven down to a top four and have moved them on to a third round now yeah so we have four people shout out to Katie Alejandro Devin and Jordan um, you know, I hate to say the cliche thing. I wish we could hire them all, <laughs> but it's so. Dude, I wish I could hire all of the top seven. Yes, yes. Like it's it is just unbelievable talent that we have we have had apply, yeah. and it's 
it truly is a hard decision. Like, I really wish we could hire them all. <laughs> and, and, and really good people, a lot yeah. of great personalities, yeah. a lot of great humor, uh, a lot of talent, a lot of skill, and, and a lot of unexpected things through the whole process where you, you start to pick up these little nuances about these people and their lives and what they're doing with their creativity and how a lot of people are just really striving they're, they're done with content generation and they want to produce meaningful creations. And mm. we're seeing more and more of that. And that was a commonality between everyone who, who, especially everyone who made it the second round. Like you could tell these people really want to do something meaningful with their creativity. And so uh, stay tuned. We're going to figure that out. We're going to have um, all four of those folks edit this episode and then we'll, we'll figure out where we go from here. Uh, the next round we'll, we'll be meeting with some folks. And then we'll go from there. Also, if you uh, we're looking for some questions about sex and love, we're gonna have uh, Dr. Christopher Ryan on the podcast later this month. Awesome. And so, uh, questions about sex. If you have questions about sex, then give us a call. Also about love, we're gonna have uh, Peter Rollins, Doctor Peter Rollins. Uh, I mean, he, I guess technically he's a PhD, right? Uh, so he's a doctor. Uh, Peter Rollins will be on the podcast. You. Uh, with his beautiful, beautiful Irish accent. <laughs> Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, also, uh, questions about business, jobs, and sleep. We're trying to line up some guests for those as well. So if you have questions about sex, love, business, jobs, or sleep, give us a call, 406-219-7839. We'd love to hear your questions. Also, this weekend, we're headed out on tour. We're going to Kentucky with... Chris Hogan, Retire Inspired, mm -hmm. uh, and some other folks from Dave Ramsey's team. We're going to be in Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We'll be with Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter. She wrote a book called uh, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And then in Alabama, we're going to be with Anthony O'Neill. He has uh, The Five Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make, his book. But we're going to talk about money and minimalism. And the cool thing about this tour, it's called the Simply Southern Tour. You can find tickets over at theminimalists.com. Tennessee is uh, Nashville. That's almost sold out. But we still have uh, some tickets left in Kentucky and Alabama and probably a few tickets left in Tennessee. 100% of the profits from this tour go to help build this grocery co-op that we're trying to build. So uh, folks will remember on my birthday, my 37th birthday, I asked people to donate $37 instead of buying me a tie clip or a necktie or any other thing to put around I my neck. I got you both. I donated and I got you a tie clip. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> did you give me a gift receipt? <laughs> of course. Uh, thank you. So so I, I what we're trying to do is bring food to one of the largest food deserts in the country. Our, our hometown, Dayton, Ohio, on the west side has one of the largest food deserts in the country. Second hungriest city for families in the country is Dayton, Ohio. We want to change that by giving people there, families there, access to food by building the first grocery store on the west side since 2008 or 2009 when, when Kroger closed. Yeah. So there is not, there's access to food, but not real food there. You can get Cheetos at your corner liquor store. Burritos. Yeah, ish. <laughs> um, but, um, you got fast food, of course. Yeah, there are some fast food options. There aren't real food options. We want to yeah. give people some real food options. There are also some education. Do so you want to help us out with that? You can come to any of our Simply Southern Tour Stops in Louisville or Nashville or Birmingham, Alabama, theminimalists.com for tickets, or you can just go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton, and you can donate 37 bucks for my birthday. If you can't afford that, donate 5 bucks, $2, whatever you can afford. Help us bring food to people who really need it. There's a few new writings on our website, the 30-30 rule. I alluded to it a little bit last week. 
you want to check out the 30-30 rule for minimalism, it's something that's really helped me out, uh, and I solidified that rule recently. I think you'll you'll find some value in that. Also, five questions to ask before buying something is on our website. Plus, there are 600 other free essays on our website, so you can dig into the archives there as well over at theminimalists.com. Our new book. Have you seen the cover to it? Do we have no, additional copies? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find it afterward. But uh, uh, Minimalism, our, our, our old book, mm-hmm. yeah, for our first book is now uh, in German. So I think it's in a dozen languages now, roughly. And the German cover is my favorite cover out of all the covers that, that they've done so far. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. It's I'm like, sure there's something on Instagram where uh, someone's posted something. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they have. Yeah. Well, I, I think we have a few around here. We, we put them out on the bookshelf in the, the common area as well. But uh, the German cover is my absolute favorite. So it is available in Germany. If, for those of you listening to this, we are a, a top 100 podcast in Germany. So I know we have a bunch of German listeners. Also, we're working on a new documentary with our friend Matt Diavella. Um it's called The Minimalist. Less is now. And I think we have three scenes left to film. That sound right? We just finished all the voiceovers. So close. So close. And, uh, and then we're going to work on the soundtrack. We're going to have Sean just break out his drums and do heavy drumming throughout the entire <laughs> thing. Do we, uh, are, are our friends helping yeah. us with yeah, the yeah, soundtrack yeah. again? Yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, so the folks who did the, the first soundtrack, they've agreed to at least give it a shot on, on this new one. Um, Andrew and Nate. From, they, they formed a band called We, V-V-E. You can check out the, the first Minimalism soundtrack wherever you get music. Also, uh, if you want the show notes to each and every one of our podcast episodes, we always reference these show notes. Just go to theminimalists.com. Put your email address at the top. We'll send you these show notes directly to your inbox whenever we put out a new episode. And if you want to comment on this episode or any other podcast episode, you can leave your comments over on YouTube. In fact, new episodes come out on Mondays now, a day before this podcast hits your audio feed. So you can check those out over at youtube.com slash theminimalists. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Speaking of comments, I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Uh, hi, this is Chantal. I'm calling from Montreal, Canada. Uh, I'm calling in regard. Uh, Josh mentioned that when he moved, uh, he ended up uh, noticing that he had a lot of cleaning products. Uh, I make my own cleaning products. Uh, basically, they consist of water, sometimes vinegar, uh, alcohol, and uh, essential oils. Uh, There's many, many recipes out there. They're very efficient, and we always have those products in our house, and they save us a lot of money and time. Uh, so, and there's also uh, Clean My Space, which is a terrific uh, YouTube channel, and she has a book as well where she has a lot of recipes for cleaning various surfaces, how to clean in an efficient manner, and uh, cleaning with uh, various products as well, like uh, uh, fiber cloth. So, hope this helps. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hi there. This is Amy from Oakland, and uh, I listened to your podcast about social media, and I have a suggestion that's helped me. Um, My weakness is Facebook, and the thing that is most difficult for me is when I go on Facebook, I see the news feed 
in my face and I start scrolling through the news feed. So I actually found an app that eliminates the Facebook news feed and um, you download this app and it's called Claire. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's spelled C-L-A-R. You download it and then after that, when you go on Facebook, you don't even see the news feed anymore. So you can just use Facebook for private messages or search for, you know, what your friends are up to if you need to, but that news feed is not right there in your face when you go on Facebook. So it's less distracting. Um, really, really helpful for me. But there are other apps out there as well. Um, if you look up news feed errat- eradicators, uh, for Facebook, and they work for other things like other social media like Instagram as well. But um, it's something to think about because for me it worked. It's helpful and I spend less time on Facebook and less distractions. All right, thank you. Hi, this is Lauren from Los Angeles. Um, I have some advice. If you're on Facebook, search for a local moms group in your area. I found a great one where moms buy, sell, and give away tons of items after their kids have outgrown them. It felt really good to give my baby things away to fellow moms who can use them, and then they'll pass it along to the next mom. It's also a fun way to make new friends in your neighborhood. Nowadays, whenever I need something for my daughter, I check to see if anyone is selling or giving away that item on the group before I buy it new. If you do have a second baby, you can get whatever you need from the same group. I think the second time around, I'd realize that you don't actually need a lot of stuff to care for a newborn. Of course, there's a billion-dollar industry telling first-time parents otherwise. Even though I'm a hardcore minimalist, I did keep a few baby clothes for sentimental reasons. I'm currently sewing them into a quilt for my daughter. I've embroidered her name and birth date on it, and it'll be a sweet little memento for her someday or just a cozy blankie for nap time now. If you don't sew or quilt and that's something you'd like to do, there are plenty of sewers you can hire to make a quilt for you out of your favorite little baby things. Uh, check out check them out on Etsy or Instagram. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. Oh, we're especially looking for those questions. Remember, sex, love, business, jobs, and sleep. That's really what life's about, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, it's our, it's our new it's our new pillars. Yeah. <laughs> We're the five values: the sex, five love, values. Yeah. jobs, business, and sleep. <laughs> it's like a few of these don't actually belong here. <laughs> um, yeah. So five different future episodes, but you can ask us a question about anything, right? We're okay with that. Yeah, Whatever man. your question is, you can call up and leave it. But we'll put you to the front of the pile there if you have a question about any of those five areas. And if you all leave here with just one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it 
Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear 